You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside and outside the Fox 59 CBS 4 Podcast Conference Room, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Appreciate you all joining us for another show today. Alongside Joe Hopkins here in-house, I am Dave Griffiths. Mike Chappell joining us via the internet as well. We'll preview this weekend's Colts-Bills game to be played in Buffalo, the Queen City of New York. I will be there enjoying some Anchor Bar Buffalo Wings before the game time and um, maybe enjoying the game itself. We will see about that one. A lot to discuss. You going to dive on a table? You know it. Wouldn't be a trip to Buffalo without a good table dive. Uh, Have some breaking down keys to the game, making predictions, but first... We will start with the news of the week, and we will begin with Joe's boy, Colts linebacker EJ Speed, being named AFC Special Teams Player of the Week, uh, joining Rigoberto Sanchez as two-time AFC Special Team Player of the Week this year. Uh, EJ returned to block punt 12 yards for a touchdown on Sunday, which I feel uh, is necessary to note that would not be necessary or not be possible without my boy. Zaire Franklin. We we gave you, you know, the you know, two shout out on Monday. I, I I don't put a lot of stock in these weekly awards. It's not like you get a thousand dollars or a plaque. But how do you give a guy the award because he was there to pick it up? Right. Instead of the instead of the guy that laid out and smothered it. Somebody right. explain that to me. I, I, I can't. I can't do it. Uh, I love EJ, but hey, he did make a really good play to stay in bounds. Let's, let's give him that. He scored with such grace that the league had no choice but to give it to him. <laughs> uh-huh. Right after Zaire flew in with the greatest of ease to, to block that punt virtually unscathed. And uh, it was a very clear path to, uh, to that. And Coach Frank Reich said postgame that they, they were saying all week, uh, Bubba Ventrone, special teams coordinator, was saying all week, that he thought that they could block a punt here uh, against the yeah, Jaguars. And if and you uh, watch Hard Knocks, Indeed. he saw it too. Mm-hmm. Indeed, Hard Knocks did debut uh, just last night. And uh, if you have HBO on a uh, service where it's like a cable service, you probably enjoyed it at 10 o'clock. If you have it just on HBO Max as a streaming service, you had to wait a little bit to about 10.15, 10.16 p.m. like I did. Like, what the heck's going on over here? Where, where, Where's Hard Knocks? I was promised Hard Knocks at 10 p.m. on Wednesday. Chap, were you sitting at your computer refreshing every three seconds, seeing, come on, man, what's going on here? Well, I've got a Roku set up where I've got access to a bunch of these Netflix and Amazon and all this, and, and I've got HBO Max, and I'm wondering where all that's got on there is all the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. I don't I don't give a hoot about the Cowboys. Show me the Colts. <laughs> Terrible. So, for, fortunately, when I was about ready to give up on it, I saw you tweeted that it's now on, like, what was it, 10, 15, yeah. 10, 20? Yeah, 10, yeah. S- so I saw something where HBO sort of said, hey, we, we screwed that one up. So they got it right, and we were able to watch it. And and we'll get to it a little bit later. What I thought was very well done. And what that does, it shows your personality. You know, behind the scenes, yeah, yeah. But it shows your personality, and that's kind of what we saw. Yeah, definitely. We, and we can get into that now since, since we're here. But uh, I thought it was an enjoyable episode for sure. They really glazed through the first, like, eight, nine weeks of the season. Like, I appreciated they just kind of went over we, those losses. Yeah. <laughs> don't we wish we could all do that? Right. Uh, <laughs> and, and so that's probably welcome news. But um, And we, we've seen stuff throughout the last couple of weeks, too, with them releasing stuff on Twitter and uh, just, like, quick videos. So we've gotten, we've gotten a little taste uh, of, what, uh, of what Hard Knocks is. Kind of a reminder for some people, maybe, who haven't watched it in a couple years since, since its heydays there. 
in the uh, in I don't know five or eight years ago when when Hard Knocks was was a really big deal uh, every year in the NFL. But um, I, I loved like favorite moments. I loved Jim Irsay starting the uh, the Queen <laughs> Just... We Will Rock You chant. And let me tell you, like if they somehow if the Colts somehow incorporate this into their pregame hype video, <laughs> I will lose my ever loving mind inside the press box at Lucas Oil Stadium if you just see Jim Irsay come up on the Jumbotron and start slamming the desk, chanting, we will rock you. I'm glad I'm glad the fellas in the locker room kind of joined in because that could have been way more awkward <laughs> if just no one else joined in on that. We, oh, we need to have the owner to start pounding on the anvil before the game. Right. Maybe maybe that would be a, a, a good introduction to a game. Yeah. Chap, what'd you, what'd you like from the episode? You, you mentioned just personality and stuff. What, what'd you like? What moments? Yeah, I, I thought, like, like you mentioned again, a lot of that we, we've known, I mean – about Carson Wentz, we knew, but they showed you the personality with the the gender reveal on what was it, Ryan Kelly and Glowinski, and, and things like that. And you get they get access that we don't get players' homes, which we'll see from time to time, which we don't get. But from a football standpoint, and we already mentioned it briefly. Remember after the game where Frank said, "Yeah, Bubba said we were gonna had a real good chance to, to block a punt," and we're thinking, "Okay, yeah, sure." Well, and then it shows. A team meeting where he's and he's he's detailing it, you know. Hey, Zaire or any of you guys, we think they're very bad at blocking. I mean, he, he really laid Jacksonville out. He did, and he basically said, and "He Take was right." Remember, because one of you guys is going to get this. That's what's kind of cool to see. It's, it's one thing for a coach to say after game, "Yeah, we thought we could get one." This is one where on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever, Bubba said, "We're going to get one," and it was, that's what's kind of cool to see and. And just, again, I, I like the personalities. I wasn't in favor of this to start with, primarily because, selfishly, I was concerned that, that there would be breaking news that we don't get, that all of a sudden we have to report from a from a, from a TV show. But that's not what this is, especially in the middle of the season. And also keep in mind, the Colts have – final say for the most part on on editing and, and what the content is so this is this should be a very good PR a positive PR move to where people get to see the team and the players that they don't normally get to see and you know thank goodness that this team got its, its act together and it's relevant on the field I mean th- th- this is cool to see would it be so much if there were Two and eight, three and eight, probably not. But I, I think moving forward, this is a good thing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you got a team that's in contention now and is fighting and has a little bit of an uphill battle to go. I think that's everything that that the producers of a show could want, like a, a team that is is really fighting to be in that relevant uh, that relevant discussion. So, Joe, your your favorite moments from the episode? What'd you like? I mean, I loved every second of <laughs> Darius Leonard. I think yeah. he, he. I mean, the maniac's just going to be the star of the show. Um, he is not shy with his use of uh, a certain word that I cannot repeat here <laughs> on uh, on the podcast. No, no, he's not. And I thought it was really insightful to see when he kind of aggravated his in- ankle injury against the Jaguars and like his wife's reaction and how these, you know, these aren't robots. These are human beings mm-hmm. and their injuries not only impact them, but their families and other people off the field. Um, I, I thought that was something that's really important to keep into perspective. It's so easy to be like, why'd you get uh, people on Twitter? Why'd you get hurt out there? They're just like, 
We didn't mean to get hurt. I'm a human being. Like, come on. Yeah, that was, like that moment, it was, it was weird. Like, looking back on it, knowing that he was okay in the end, like, it, it allowed me to chuckle a little bit because watching it, like, his wife and his daughter Mia were out, like, try, trying to just spend a little energy, you know, out in the concourse or something. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, Mia, let's go back. I think Daddy got hurt. And his daughter's like, no. <laughs> and that's as a dad, the dad of a toddler like that that struck home to me and seeing him try to brush her teeth i can uh, 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 i can tell you it is not easy to brush a toddler's teeth yeah and so i, I admired darius for for his uh, tremendous effort there as well but that yeah uh seeing me getting a little bit of a spotlight was was fun too yeah it was also kind of cool to see carson wince i mean yeah. it, this is a guy who i guess i'll call him controversial just because there's so many varying opinions on him um, but well, it was he's, a li- he's a lightning rod. He, he, yeah. he He's a lightning rod that you're either for him or against him, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, he kind of, you know, not that I was ever really against Wentz, but he kind of grew on me a little bit more just seeing him interact with his family and, you know, be a, playing with his children and just kind of see a little bit more of his personality other than, you know, because he doesn't get super. He's not super vocal in like press conferences and let a lot of that personality shine. So it's nice to peel that back a little bit and see your quarterback a little bit more. And we did learn this week uh, that Carson Wentz and his wife Madison did welcome their second child um, this uh, this week. Uh, their daughter uh, Hudson Rose, uh, their second daughter. There were uh, maybe a little concerns, a few concerns that it would come on Sunday. But um, again, ju- just from my experience now of having two kids, I- a doctors are really amazing, like how they can not exactly pinpoint when it's coming, but they have a really good idea, like, because at that point, again, your my, my wife, uh, Madison, in this case, would be going like weekly to, to just get checkups and get appointments. And they can they can tell like when thing when things are happening. And so I like Carson's confidence gave me confidence that it wasn't going to happen on Sunday. And to see again on Hard Knocks that she was there at the stadium yeah. was was a, another sign that if this happens, boy, that that would be a real surprise. Wouldn't that be a story? Have that the baby be. at the yeah, stadium? No kidding. That's yeah. a cult for life, right yeah, there. Yeah, no, no, no doubt about it. Fortunately, that did not happen. Uh, one, one more bit of news this week as Pro Bowl voting is now live here in the NFL, and the Colts certainly have a couple players who who at least will be in the discussion. Chap, who do you think might be uh, the the most uh, prime suspects for earning a Pro Bowl nod this year from the Colts? Well, you know, duh, Jonathan Taylor. in uh, Quentin Nelson, I think he's played well. He hasn't played to Quentin standards because of, gosh, four or five injuries that have really dogged him. Uh, and I think Quentin probably makes all pro again, too. Because, you know, barring injury, they're going to have the league rushing champion. And so so maybe Ryan Kelly gets in. Maybe. I, I don't know. And Darius. Darius, I don't know if get that. Buckner, probably. He was snubbed last year. I know. I know. But but then Michael Pitt. I think the answer is Michael Pittman. Has he done enough as a second-year player? He's going to end up with, again, barring injury, you know, 1,200 yards. What ninety catches, seven or eight touchdowns, but there's so many receivers with so many numbers. I don't know. I think he deserves it. He's he's had a really really good year. Those are the ones that jump out at me. I you know I I don't know that anyone else, linebacker wise, Okereke or certainly not in the secondary. So that's kind of who I would put at. Mention. I, I like your picks. Um, I, I if you're looking for special teams guys, like I, I love Rigo, and I mentioned already that he's a two-time AFC uh, special teams player of the week. But like to to be to be named the Pro Bowl punter or an All Pro punter, 
Like, I think it's going to be tough for him just because he doesn't have the same big numbers that a lot of other punters show, like guys who are on teams that honestly have terrible offenses and don't move the ball much, and they need 55-yard punts Slam to it. try to flip the field. Like, Rigo's going out there. He's trying to pin it at 43 inside the 10-yard line, you know, and, and he can do that really stinking well, really well. And so, so it's hard to put him there. But the money badger... If he keeps just making his kicks and Joe's guy, Hot Rod, uh, stays on the bench, which they are doing right now, Frank Reich talked about. He said that, uh, that uh, Rigobert, no, no, sorry, Rodrigo Blankenship uh, could potentially kick right now, but he's not going to because why mess with success? Chap, a little bit of news that was made this week when, when Frank was talking is maybe, I don't know how much of a surprise it was given how successful Badgley has been. Uh, but nevertheless, it is certainly noteworthy that Badgley will continue to be the kicker, at least until he misses a kick, and then all, all, all is fair, I think. Yeah, now this came up, I think, for the first time last week when he mentioned this, and well, we're going to go with the hot kicker. I think the thing that's different from last week is, is now, apparently, Blankenship is ready to kick. You know, they said he's got to work on his strength and his stamina. Strength, I understand. Stamina for a kicker, I, I don't know what that entails but it's very it's it's the old you know nfl unwritten rule that you don't lose your job to an injury well the colts obviously don't believe that and so they're going to stick with him like you said as long as he's going well i do have to wonder and it's fair to wonder what this is doing to blankenship mentally if if nothing else you know he, he is their kicker he 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 had a good rookie year, not a great, but a very good rookie year. And now all of a sudden, he's healthy enough to come off IR, and they're not doing it. Because like Frank said, don't don't start the clock until you have to. So let's say that, heaven forbid, Badgley goes out there and kicks it in the stands twice in Buffalo. Well, then you can, act, you, you can designate Blankenship for return, and he can kick next week. So there's no reason to do it until you have to do it. But I, I do have to wonder how a player responds when he's your guy. He, he, he's your guy, and now he's not your guy because of an injury, and he's ready to kick again. So I understand what they're saying. I really do. I do wonder how your incumbent kicker internally internally is handling this. Yeah, the, the head games for the kicker are, are, are so important because, I mean, you're out there for – seven seconds and uh you have the ability to to put up more points throughout the course of the season really than anyone else uh on the roster so uh joe uh noted uh noted rec specs fan over here mm-hmm. uh what, what's your take on uh, this development for this week i think he sells too much merchandise to not win the kicking job back <laughs> i mean come on all the all the <laughs> rod respect the specs t-shirts and no i mean i'm rooting for hot rod of course yeah. I, I really I want him to completely. get the job back but at at the end of the day i'd prefer whatever kicker makes more kicks so if the colts end up sticking with the money badger which you know you could slap that on a t-shirt too mm-hmm. um if the colts stick with the money badger and, and he keeps making kicks i'll be fine with it uh but I, I at the end of the day deep down i am rooting for uh blanco as his well, rapper well, one, name is called one little side note on that is is you know it, it, it's Badgley's perfect. What is he? Seven for seven, and is it seventeen for seventeen or nineteen for nineteen? Nineteen. 
PATs, they've not really stressed or, I guess, taxed his leg strength. 42-yarder is the longest one. Now, I tell you, it was in the rain. It was not an easy kick at all. It was against Frisco. But this last game, he had 230, I think it was. So it's not like they're making him kick 49-yard field goals. But, you know, so we'll see. But, again, when the guy's perfect, he's doing what you tell him to do. He's doing what he has to do. And you alluded to it. I remember when Pat McAfee was talking about Adam Benatieri and the pressure of a kicker. Every time he's on the field, excluding kickoffs, points are on the line. So, you know, it's there's a very low tolerance level for a kicker who's who's kicking 80%. So as long as this guy's, uh, you know, kicking and doing his job, they're going to stick with him. But go ahead, Joe. You One last something. thing I'll add, you know, while we're still kind of on the Pro Bowl topic, go vote for Kenny Moore. He's having another terrific season, and uh, maybe one of these years we'll actually get him. Is it still in Hawaii? Wherever it is. I think it's this in Orlando, is Orlando it? now. Yeah. Uh, got to get him down there because Kenny Moore is one of the best slots in the game. Would love to see Kenny in the Pro Bowl. Absolutely. Big fans of Kenny Moore here at Fox 59 CBS 4. Let's get to the Colts injury report for this week. On Wednesday, a group of people, so it's a little bit more than we've seen in the past, uh, did land on this injury report at least the past two or three weeks when things were considerably better than they were at the start of the season. But uh, we'll run them down, starting with defensive tackle DeForest Buckner did not participate with a triad of injuries, an abdomen, throat, and back, which, uh, by the way, Buckner also tweeted yesterday, I read some of y'all reaction to the injury report. I'm weak, LOL. For those concerned, I'm all good. So we'll take that as a very much encouragement that, uh, that uh, the abdomen, throat, back, of course, <laughs> the, the, the usual suspects there, uh, will not hinder Buckner from uh, playing when the Colts are visit Buffalo this weekend. Outside of him, TJ Carey with a knee did not participate Wednesday. Tackle Eric Fisher with a back did not participate Wednesday. Linebacker Darius Leonard, ankle and hand injuries did not participate. Defensive end Dio Odangbo, ankle injury, did not participate. Tackle Braden Smith, elbow injury, did not participate. Now, Mike, when I look at this list, I think there's a couple that are uh, maintenance issues, uh, like uh, Braden Smith and Darius Leonard in particular. Uh, other than that, I mean, TJ Carey could be as well since he just debuted uh, off injured reserve last week. And they're probably trying to keep him light. So it, it may be a case of that, but certainly things that we're going to have to be watching for the rest of this week. Yeah, I was just checking with Joel Erickson of the Star, and he he mentions all the uh, did night practices on Wednesday are out there today. Perfect. In in some form or fashion, I'm sure some of them are limited. I, I'm one thing that's kind of crazy is we talked to Frank yesterday prior to practice, and he said you won't see Darius or or Quentin Nelson out there. Well, he apparently didn't check with Quentin Nelson before he said that because <laughs> Quentin Nelson was out there. Uh, that's why I say it's been such a strange year for Quentin because this was a guy who hardly – he didn't miss a start and hardly missed practice, and it's been one body part after the other, but it just kind of shows you his value to the team. So I, 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 I would expect Darius to be limited most of the week, and in all honesty, for the rest of the year. This is an injury that it's simply – you're going to aggravate it simply by playing on it, yeah. let alone making a play and somebody falling on it. So th- this is, with him, it's going to be play, maintenance, play, maintenance, and, and a lot of, that, that's where a lot of these guys are now. So I don't put a lot of 
important significance on a practice report on Wednesday, not even Thursday. Friday's the one I think you get an idea what you've got. So I'm just I'm just just warning or not warning, but just telling fans that this is a time of year where you really, really err on the side of giving these guys rest. And and Frank puts so so much value in the in the walkthroughs, and he's going to have a player get extra rest time and recovery time and treatment time than practice, and that's kind of what November December is. Yeah, Wednesday Thursday, Joe, kind of shows us just where to look for as Chap alluded to, really on Friday and Saturday when the news is coming out, and uh, and and with such a late buy again. I know we've talked in the past, the past couple of weeks, about like the mini buy after Thursday. Yeah, mini buy is all well and good, but it's it's not the full buy that they don't get until week fourteen this year, the latest buy that you can have in the league. So uh, it's it's probably a wise decision to to take it easy a little bit, especially these couple of weeks leading up to the buy um, before the the home stretch of the year when the games are just as more more important toward uh, making the making the playoffs. For sure. And, you know, the Bills are a team who had their bye already, one of the earlier ones in the year. So they've had that kind of rest. They're relatively healthy. We can get to them in just a second. I do find it encouraging that Xavier Rhodes was able to yep. practice in a limited fashion on Wednesday. Yep. He's been dealing with that calf really all year. Um really just encouraged for depth reasons. I think Isaiah Rogers has been just as good, if not better, than Rhodes on the outside. But if him or Rocky Singh go down, it's always good to have another guy out there in Xavier Rhodes. So uh, good to see that. Hopefully the Colts can have uh, more active than inactive guys from this list play on Sunday. Uh, uh, other names that made it to the list, uh, Chap mentioned Quentin Nelson was a full participant, actually. Um, and then EJ Speed, knee injury, full participant. Jack Doyle, knee injury, full participant. And, uh, and that's everybody. We named everyone from the Colts list there. Um, so moving on to the Bills. Um, and their, their list starts with the COVID list. Um, starting right tackle Spencer Brown found himself on the COVID list today, Thursday, as we tape this podcast. So his status for Sunday is certainly in doubt, as we've said in the past. It uh, depends on whether he's vaccinated or unvaccinated, first of all. If he's unvaccinated, it's at least 10 days, so he'll definitely miss the game. I haven't seen any reports uh, whether he is one way or another. But um, if he is vaccinated, then still needs to have two negative tests 24 hours apart and be asymptomatic to do so. So uh, what are we, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? So you got three days to and there's a 24-hour period in there that it's gonna you need. It's going to be tough. Exactly. So you need to. Th- this needs to be sh- uh, shoveled out of your system within two days. Which, uh, which may happen, it may not. Who, I, I don't know. Uh, but it's again, this is something to watch for the rest of the week. And a guy who's your starting right tackle, that, that's something that is obviously an important position with the Bills. And they have a pretty good offensive line over there when they're all together, Joe. They do. This is a third-round rookie who's been playing very well, especially for a rookie, and played so well that he actually allowed their starting right tackle from last year, Daryl Williams, to slide over to guard. I assume that if Brown can't play, Williams will slide back over to right tackle and they'll have someone else fill in at guard. Um, But Darren Williams is a solid offensive lineman, but it does weaken that offensive line a little bit to be without Brown. Yeah, sure. I mean, there's a reason that he's in there in the starting lineup. Even yeah, if you have an it. experienced starter that they just moved over a bit. So, so yeah. So there, it's not it's not dire straits. It seems like over there to uh, if he does have to miss that game. Yeah, it's it's kind of like whenever you see this, whether the guy's out with injury or COVID, you don't know with their depth and their whether they got good depth or just bodies. 
I kind of always say, well, if if this is a Colts, okay, so you're talking Braden Smith and what uh, Grover Stewart with Star with Star being on the COVID list. So how would that impact the Colts? And you know, it would it, it would impact the Colts if Braden Smith's out. Yeah. So even though Pryor's played pretty well, so we'll see. I, I think I agree with you that the, the the quick turnaround makes it really tough for a vaccinated player to go through the proper the proper steps. So, but we'll see. That you know, the thing is, the Colts have their own problems. That's a Bills issue. Yeah, and uh, Mike mentioned a defensive tackle Star Latulale also on the the COVID list and. And you just have to spell it, chap. I I, I can say it over here. I, yeah, I, I it's, it's kind of like with uh, with Dio Odeyingbo. Odangbo. I just call him Dio. Dio's good. Or or, or fifty four. I'll be like NASCAR. I'll call him the fifty four car. There you go. <laughs> that that'll get you plenty of fans here in Indianapolis for sure. But yeah, Starla Tulele was placed on the COVID list Sunday, so Joe he at least has a little bit more time. We'll see if he can make it through. And he was a guy who um, who opted out, if I remember correctly, last season entirely. And uh, he's certainly been a boost to to their defensive line. He's a great great run stopping defensive lineman who occasionally gets pass rush pressure too. Very much in that Grover Stewart vein for the Colts. Yeah, and this one will depend greatly on if he's vaccinated or not. If he's unvaccinated, it, it's ten days, ten yeah, days, yeah, so like he won't said, be available yep. and. Um, this is a guy who was unvaccinated in August because he had to quarantine for seven days from being a close contact. Okay. So we know he wasn't vaccinated then. He could have gotten the shot between now. Uh, it's not quite clear, but that's another key guy in the trenches that might be out for the Bills in this one. To the Bills injury report, did not participate in Wednesday's practice. Linebacker Tremaine Edmonds, who is a two-time Pro Bowler, so that would certainly be a big blow, a hamstring injury to Edmonds if he cannot play. Head coach Sean McDermott said on Monday that he's day-to-day, so that's that's not so bad. It's not week-to-week. is a yeah. little bit worse, so I think they might be optimistic that Edmonds can come back. It depends on, how I'm sure, how he looks out there on the field when he is able to return to practice. He'll probably at least have to practice on Friday. Yeah. Wide receiver Cole Beasley did not participate in Wednesday's practice with a rib injury, uh, and he was limited, as you put in here, Joe, to just nine snaps last week. Beasley, if I remember correctly, again, last year he did have a couple of plays against the Colts that were pretty significant plays in that game, even though Stephon Diggs is kind of the wide receiver one there, and deservedly so. He's a tremendous receiver, but uh, Beasley is, is probably one of the better slot receivers in the NFL, and uh, Josh Allen has used him very very well in the past and been able to to move the chains he goes over the middle he makes tough catches he goes for 9.6 yards per catch jack doyle and sometimes even more than that and uh, so beasley again another player to watch the rest of this week i'm pretty sure if i remember correctly beasley played in the colts playoff game last year with a broken leg might have so that goes to show this guy's toughness and yeah. when healthy he's a guy who like every He'll be quiet for a couple games, and then because yeah. Josh Allen has so many different weapons mm-hmm. to go to, and then he'll explode for like mm-hmm. nine catches and a hundred yards. Yep. So he he could do that any given Sunday when healthy, but it looks like his ribs are bothering him. Uh, running back Taiwan Jones also did not participate in practice Wednesday, listed for an illness uh, there, and limited in participation. Their other linebacker Matt Milano uh, with shoulder injury. Um, who's a who's a pretty good linebacker in his own right alongside Tremaine Edmonds. So uh, that's our injury report for the week. We encourage you to follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone to get Colts news and notes and even some Bills news and notes uh, throughout the week uh, posted out to you there. You can follow Mike Chapel at mchapel 51 Joe Hopkins is at Roto Street Joe, and I am at Dave G underscore sports. The Colts visit the Bills on Sunday. Colts are five and five. Bills are six and three. Only one more win. 
uh, but two fewer losses since they have played one less game. If you can follow that math, congratulations. Uh, after starting 4-1, and one, the Bills have now lost two of their last four games, in fact. Uh, lost to the Jaguars, just 9-6, and six, when uh, the Jaguars' defense really came to play, and uh, the Bills' offense was sputtering mightily. And they lost to the Titans, 34-31. If I'm not mistaken, that was the same score as the, the Titans win over the Colts or something darn close. Or was it 37-34? I can't remember. I think it was 34-31. I think it was, too. The, uh, the playoff win they just had recently. Not playoff, uh, overtime win, rather. Mm-hmm. They just had recently. Um, and, uh, Joe, you make a note that the Bills are 1-2 and two against teams with winning records this season. They beat the Chiefs, but lost to Pittsburgh and lost to Tennessee. Um, Chap, when you, when you look at that, when you look at team their record against teams with winning records... I don't think there's a lot of teams out there that have like really impressive wins, uh, winning records against teams with winning records. You know, like most of the time it's hovering around 500 and the good teams just mop the floor with the bad teams. But still, heck, even one win over a team with a winning record is something the Colts haven't achieved in a long time. They've lost eight straight against teams that made the playoffs last year. So Buffalo has at the very least shown that they are capable of beating teams that are good teams as the Colts are really still trying to work their way into the conversation that they are able to accomplish such a task. Yeah, I was looking at Buffalo's six wins have come have come against teams that are 18 and 39. It's not good. So, you know, you're talking Miami, you're talking uh, Houston. Jacksonville, the Jets. I went back and uh, I watched the uh, playoff game last, last in January, and I, I, I come away as I did after the game. All they all they needed to do. I mean, it's, it's a simple thing to say, but four or five plays. It was incredible how how winnable that game was, and that's kind of I was mentioning it to Frank Reich. Uh, I think it was on Wednesday, these games, almost every game comes down to those five or six plays. You know, you, you 60 on offense, 60 on defense, but it's, it's five or six plays that determine a win or a loss. It just is. It's, it's Carson Wentz throwing two awful interceptions against Tennessee. It's, it, it's, it's Blankenship. I realize he had the hip injury, missing three kicks. An extra point, a field goal, and then a block field goal, and the defense simply not making a play at Baltimore. One play. Gosh, go back to the Baltimore game and pick a play. Pick a play in the second half, and you make a third down stop, or, you're, or my goodness, you stop a two-point conversion, and, and things change. And that Baltimore, or the, the, the Buffalo game, th- there were seven or eight plays. I mean, Blankenship bangs a, a field goal off the upright. Start the third quarter. 33-yarder. Right. And, and I went back in two. I, th- I think it was uh, – th- there was a there was a pass that where Rivers just missed Pittman in the left corner. Just missed him. Would have been a touchdown. And it's Josh Allen extending plays. What, what he ran – I think he ran for like 50-some yards. But there were three or four plays that he, that he extended plays and goes for 37 or 40 – uh, t- down the field, uh, a couple at the end of the first half were just ridiculously good throws on the run, and then Kamoko Ture jumping off sides on fourth and whatever it was, and and they they were settling for a field goal. They were going to take a field goal, and you give them life, and then Allen makes them pay. So that's why I say this this team at five and five, it's so close to being. You know, you could argue too, it's so close to being worse than that. 
but it's just making those few plays, and and I I, I don't know if they can make these plays on Sunday, but to, to, to think that Buffalo is, and I thought at one time Buffalo was the best team in, in, in the conference. Maybe they still are, I don't know. But if you look at you look at what they've done, they've not they've not just overpowered good teams. Now, they, like you said, they've kind of trashed bad teams. So it it just shows you how how thin the margin is in this league, and that's what's so 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 uh, frustrating with with this group of Colts because they could be so much better if they would just do a few things better. One thing the Bills have going for them is an MVP candidate at quarterback in Josh Allen. Has 19 passing touchdowns opposed to six interceptions this year, averaging better than 280 yards passing per game. He's fifth in the league in passing yards, sixth in passing touchdowns, and that is already with, as Joe pointed out earlier, having his bye, whether a couple quarterbacks in front of him have not had their bye yet. Um, And he can also do damage rushing the ball. 322 yards rushing, three touchdowns. Uh, Joe against the Colts in the playoffs, as Mike just alluded to, he was really dangerous in extending plays and uh, and keeping them alive when you thought things were just about wrapped up in the backfield. Uh, if if the Colts really want to have a chance, they're going to need to do better against Josh Allen than they did last year in the playoffs, I would think. Yeah, and you know, mobile quarterbacks have really hurt the Colts all year. And Josh Allen, I mean, he can he's not just a mobile quarterback; he's almost equally talented running and throwing the ball which is what makes him so dangerous I remember the one touchdown against the Colts last year near the goal line it looked like he was going to run it in all of a sudden he stops and tosses it basically as he's getting hit to uh, Dawson Knox the tight end in the end zone so it's hard to guard against both things at once but the Colts are going to have to find a way to do it and you're gonna have to guard go ahead chap go ahead Mike yeah because the thing with him I think where he's different from other you know Tannehill and some of these other guys not not He's more similar, I guess, to Lamar Jackson in that they have runs planned into what they do. Tannehill, for the most part, hurt him on on on, on scrambles and all this. But th- there was again at the end of the first half when they, when they gave him the extra time with that s- stupid offsides penalty. The next two plays were designed runs. It was a 16-yard quarterback throw, and then a uh, Allen with the touchdown. So I think he's a little different because. They will run him, not because they have to, but because they want to. They want to because he's darn good at it. And like you said, he, uh, he did torch the Colts a couple times last year. Um, when he decides to use his arm instead of his legs, he's got a heck of a cast of, uh, of weapons uh, to throw to, uh, led by Stephon Diggs. Uh, Joe says elite, and I, I am one to agree with him in this case. Uh, Diggs has 56 catches this year, 10th most in the league. 750 yards, seventh most in the league, also four touchdowns, and did have six catches for 128 yards and a touchdown last year. But the, the talent pool does not end with digs. Emmanuel Sanders has 505 yards. He's been in the league, it seems like, the Forever. past two decades. <laughs> like, and, and he's still producing. Um, I, I had him. He was a fantasy stalwart for me because like, he was always a guy that was undervalued, it seemed like. Uh, year to year in, in fantasy teams. He would drop to me. And heck, when Peyton Manning was throwing him the ball in Denver, it was over. <laughs> him and Demarius Thomas, uh, one side or the other. E- either one of them were great when Peyton was throwing them the ball. But uh, but Emmanuel Sanders is there on the opposite side of Diggs. They have Cole Beasley in the slot, who we've talked about already. 53 catches for him, only three fewer catches than than Diggs. So he gets the ball a whole heck of a lot. And Dawson Knox, Joe, whom uh, you mentioned, with five touchdowns this year. That's the second most among 
uh, among tight ends for touchdowns. And uh, wide, re uh, wide receiver Gabriel Davis, uh, you make a point about him. Yeah, I, I didn't f quite finish this. Right, year, that's why I wanted to just toss it over <laughs> to you. There, there's like a half sentence listed here on my paper here. So, uh, so continue. A little rundown error, but yeah. he tore the Colts up last year. He had over 80 yards in the playoff game against the Colts. It seemed like you know Mike talking about all those plays before the half. At least a couple of them were to Gabriel Davis. Um, he was a rookie last year, second-year player who his stats would look a lot better if he didn't have so many talented players ahead of him in the pecking order. But he's another guy who can definitely tear you up. Look, on the other side of the ball, Tredavious White is one of the most talented corners in the league. And I remember our, our, uh, our preview show last year that we did before the playoffs talking about Tredavious White a little bit. And if I recall correctly, I was like, is, is he as good this year as he was the year before? Because 2019, he was an all-pro. And uh, 2020, he just didn't have the same stats. It's like, are our teams able to, are, are, are they, uh, what's it? Are they, uh, did they learn a thing or two, you know, in, in, in the past year? But really, uh, that, that's, I don't think that was the case. I think teams, the, what they learned was just don't throw the ball Go too much yeah, at Tredavious yeah. White. So, um, and, and last year, again, was a, was a second-team all-pro. And they have a heck of a secondary, too, a pair of safeties that are really good, one of the best in the league with Jordan Poyer and uh, Micah Hyde. Uh, they combined for seven interceptions, 14 passes defended, and two sacks. They lead the league with interceptions in 15. So, uh, so Chap, uh, we have... Uh, and I know you guys talked about Monday, the uh, the Carson Wentz decision-making, as it has been a topic of discussion uh, for a good portion of this year. It's going to have to be on point. And uh, if there are chances to be taken... Uh, they need to be uh, taken with uh, perhaps greater caution than usual, given the team that is fielded uh, on the other side of the ball. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, the playoff game last year, I think the Colts were error free. I believe they so. Didn't play, they didn't play perfect, but they, but you you can't give you can't give quality teams extra chances, whether it's an offside penalty, whether it's interceptions, whatever. So, uh, and that's where the quarterback. I don't remember that Philip Rivers really put the ball in harm's way much in that game last year. And, and you just know that Wentz will because he's Wentz. And, and uh, that, that is sort of built into his fabric that there's going to be a couple of plays where he's going to say, you know, I can make something out of nothing. And sometimes you, you, you just can't do that. And, and we'll get to it. The thing we talked about how good the Buffalo secondary is, that's my concern. With the Colts secondary, I, I, you know, Xavier Rhodes has been gutting it out, and when when he's played to me, he's been so-so. Maybe that's because of the injury, probably because of the injury. But the safeties really, really concern me. With with uh, Kari Willis and, and Julian Blackman out, I, I think it's it's risky what can happen deep with these guys, and that's why it's going to be so important, so important. To kind of take a page out of Jacksonville's playbook and really get in, get on Josh Allen and make him look mortal instead of and I tell you again go back and watching that game they were around him a lot in the playoff game they really were a couple of times they just couldn't finish and one play that struck me is near the end of the game Danico Autry got him for like a 17 yard sack Tyquan Lewis almost got him Autry did get him. And then the, the Bills managed to get to, re, to recover the fumble. Any quarterback looks mortal when when you're in your face, in his face, and you don't give him the escape route. So uh, I think we've seen the Colts' pass rush getting much better. I, I really do believe because Quiddy Pay is is 
he's right there. He he he's re- he's ready to explode. Uh, so I, I the problem is Josh Allen is the wild card, but he because he, he is that good. Th- that last step, Joe, is always the uh, the. Uh, the longest half step in, in the world, it seems like, when you're trying to get to the quarterback. And, and as Chap alluded to, Quiddy has been on the doorstep really the last two weeks. He did get his first career sack last week. And then uh, Dio also got his first uh, career half sack, joining DeForest Buckner for that late strip to really seal the win. But, um, but, but yeah, if, if there's... How do I put this? Like, like Josh Allen is also a big dude. Like, it's hard to bring him down one on one. And I'm saying every Colts defensive lineman is strong enough to do so. I'm not saying they're not, but you've got to you've got to line him up. It can't be just like a side swipe that's going to bring him down. So if you're Quiddy Pay coming around the edge and you've been oh so close, you can't sacrifice a good hit for just a little bit of speed, you know, to get a glancing blow and try to bring him down. You need to head right at Josh Allen or else he's probably not going to get knocked down. Yeah, and go for the ball. It might be easier to knock the ball out than to tackle him, to be honest. I mean, Josh Allen is basically, physically, he's prime Cam Newton. I mean, they they measure up pretty well, physical attributes. Um, But, yeah, they're going to have to get after him. And, I mean, you could... You could make that the key to any game, get after the quarterback. That's one of the best ways to beat a football team, but it is amplified against an elite quarterback like Josh Allen. The Bills do have the top-ranked defense in the NFL. They are number one in points allowed with 15 per game. They are number one in yards allowed with 274 per game. They are number one in takeaways with 24 total. And as I mentioned, they've already had their bye which is a remarkable stat that they still lead the league in takeaways. Three more than the Indianapolis Colts with 21, who are second most in the league, who have not had their bye yet. So the, the Bills, if you think the, the Colts take the ball away a lot, which they do, they absolutely do, uh, the Bills take it away even more often. So a, a, as we're saying, hold on to that ball. I know it's a strength of theirs. You might give away one, but boy, if you give away double digits, not double digits, that that's... Dave. Someone's getting fired. Yeah, yeah, you're giving away double digits. <laughs> that ever, that everyone's fired. No, if you're giving away two, if you're giving away, if you're giving away a crooked number, that's that's definitely a bad thing. And I'm not saying one should be uh, the goal. Like the goal should be zero, but you just can't freak out over one. But if it gets to two, I'm like, mm, boy, that'd be really tough. I think to come back from with a, a team like this, who the offense does take advantage of those takeaways. They are second in the league with 31.1 points per game, and I'm sure that. The amount of possessions they get is a big reason for that, that they get more possessions with all those takeaways from the defense. 401 yards passing per game, fifth most in the league. Uh, that's total yards. Uh, from, uh, total yards per game, fifth most in the league. Thank you, Joe. Passing is ranked sixth in the NFL in both yards and touchdowns. They've only given up 14 sacks. Uh, sure, because Josh Allen runs, and Josh Allen is hard to come down, bring down, like we were just saying. And uh, I think rushing is really underrated, mm-hmm. uh, Joe, what they can do with, with the rushing attack. They have two guys, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, who are different running backs, but combined, they're averaging nearly 122 yards per game, which is top 10 in the NFL. Yeah. And, and then you had Josh Allen in there, of course, too. Yeah. Josh Allen accounts for 29% of the team's rushing yards, so he's basically a third of their rushing attack. Um, he's second on the team in rushing. Uh, Singletary has been a lot more effective than Moss this year. He's averaging five yards per carry to Moss's 3.6. He's kind of more the shifty scat back type guy. Where Gadget Moss, guy. Yeah, dude, I don't know. I don't know. Don't let him or <laughs> Hines. Kind, yeah. <laughs> uh, Moss is kind of a little bit more of that balance and power type back. 
But they split the work pretty evenly, so we're going to see both in this game. And if we're looking at keys to the game when the Colts and Bills kick off in Buffalo or in Orchard Park, if we're going to be a little bit more specific, on Sunday afternoon, broadcast at 1 o'clock in the afternoon on CBS4 if you are in central Indiana. Number one, we've alluded to it already. Uh, that's get to Josh Allen. And, Joe, you just said a few minutes ago that could be the key for, for any uh, any game, uh, but I think it's particularly relevant this week just because of the fact that the teams that have beaten Buffalo have gotten to Josh Allen. The teams that have not gotten to Josh Allen have not beaten Buffalo. I mean, he has 10 sacks against him in their three losses, only four sacks in their six wins, so it, it seems like a very obvious stat. Like, some of those jump off the page. We're going to get to another one in a second with Jonathan Taylor, but this is one that that is just, it, it's glaring how obvious it is. Like, you have to get to Josh Allen if you want to beat the Bills. Yeah, and you could say this about a lot of teams that the offense runs through the quarterback, but it's, it's even more so with this team. I truly do not believe that the Bills can win a game just handing the ball off to their running backs. Uh, I, I was trying to find the stat and couldn't because it's been so long. I can't remember the last time the Bills had a 100-yard rusher um, at the running back position. That's that's not really how the offense designed. The run game really complements the pass game here in this offense, and the pass comes first. So they're going to have to get after Allen because if you just give him time, he's going to sit back there and destroy you because he can rocket the ball 70 yards down the field at ease. So it's not like you give him time and he'll eventually find a guy who might pick up a first down. You give him time, he's going to find a guy 50 yards down the field. Chap, I remember a time when it seemed like the Colts didn't have a 100-yard rusher for like five seasons in a row, and that was when Andrew Luck was again the quarterback, and he would be uh, bombing it downfield like Josh Allen did now. So uh, certainly a, a, maybe not a similar case, but a, a case that uh, Colts fans knew from the past if, if Andrew was, uh, was pressured so much, it was – it was tough to find yards elsewhere. That seems to be the case for this Bills team, uh, as Joe was uh, referencing. Yeah, you talk, we, we talked uh, – I mean, you talked to any quarterback, and we've talked to Wentz, and he said, you know, a, a, a good running game is a quarterback's best friend. And, and they had that one game, was it the Jets, where they ran for 260, whatever it was. Uh, they're not going to do that. that. That seldom happens. But they ran for about 160 in the playoffs. Taylor had 75 or 76, and Hines was right behind him. And, and right now, as Joe's got on here, uh, the, the Colts are 8-0 when Taylor goes for 100 yards. That's it. Some, sometimes you're more interested in carries than you are yards just because it shows a more of a commitment. But with Taylor, it's the other way around. It's the yards because it's kind of crazy. I, I got a text from Frank Wright the other night after the uh, Jacksonville game. He said, 21. We got him 21 because <laughs> we're always on Frank about his 20, the 20 carries. It's still crazy that after 10 games, Taylor's highest you know, carries is 21. Uh, but, I, again, he's a guy – I went back and looked. He's had like at least – he leads the league in 20-yard rushes. I think it's nine. And he's had at least one in – I think it's six out of ten games. So so he is that, that – that guy that every time he touches it type of guy, he can take it the distance. And they're never, I, I just, we'll see if they ever get back to the 30 carry with the running back. Maybe if the situation's right in Jacksonville last year in, on the 253 game. But they do, they, they simply cannot rely on Carson Wentz to carry the load, which they don't want to do. I mean, they don't want to do that. 
So uh, I, I do think we're going to see them try to at least stick with the running game and see what they can get with, with Hines and, and Taylor. Uh, I'm not saying to shorten the game by any means, but, but you want to do what you can to, to limit Josh Allen's opportunities. And I tell you, when, when Taylor can control a game like he does, it makes everything easier. Yeah, if uh, if I didn't mention it specifically, that is the second key to the game. Got to keep the run game going. And uh, Joe, Mike referenced it. And when I was going back to look over last year's game against the Bills, I had forgotten how productive Naheem Hines was in that game. He said, I mean, Taylor uh, Taylor had like 70-something yards and Naheem was right behind him. He was a big part of the offensive attack there, too. I wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, maybe steal a few more touches than he has had over the past couple weeks um, if uh, if that's going to be the same or a similar game plan that the Colts uh, used this weekend as they did last year in the playoffs. Yeah, Hines, they're going to need him to have another game like he did against the Jets or like the Bills in the playoffs because I fully anticipate the Buffalo Bills will key in on Jonathan Taylor and do all they can to stop him and make the Colts go elsewhere to beat them. And that elsewhere needs to be Naheem Hines. It needs to be Michael Pittman. Um, obviously, Taylor has to get something going himself. If if the Bills are successful and they're able to completely shut down the Colts' run game, uh, I, there's no way the Colts win this game. I mean, I said the Bills' offense is built on pass first and the run kind of complements that. The Colts' offense is a reverse. The run comes first, and then the pass is built off of the run. Uh, some of Carson Wentz's best games this year have been really high play action uh, pass percentages. Ideally, nearly half of Wentz's passing uh, attempts will be off of play action because the run game is so effective. Um, when you and Mike mentioned it earlier, Carson Wentz has at least you know around two or three of those boneheaded plays in him per game. Well, if his attempts go up and he's throwing almost twice as many passes. That goes up to four to six boneheaded uh, uh, plays per game. So you just don't want that. Um, you, I hate to say you want to limit Carson Wentz, but you want to go through the run game and not have to rely on Carson Wentz to win a game for you. And finally, kind of going off that point, you got to win the turnover battle, as we've talked about already here. The Bills are first in turnover differential. Colts are second. Really a matchup uh, of two of the best teams in the NFL taking the ball away. So... Uh, you, you hope you don't muck it up and see like a four to three turnover game. That 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 gets nasty when that's happening. I'm sure defenses love it. Like defensive coaches oh, yeah. are all about that. But but for me, I'm like, oh come on, somebody hang on to the ball when it's happening that often. But if it's if it's a two zero, then the team that has two, I think, has a significant advantage. If any team is able to get more two more than the other, if it's just one more, then it's a little bit more of a toss up, you know. So uh, and, yeah, go ahead. I didn't, you know. It's separate from a turnover, but I think penalties are big in this one, too. Yeah. I, I know I mentioned it on a couple shows ago, but when the Bills lost to the Jaguars, I think they had over 100 yards. It was something I, I think they had 12 penalties for 128 yards, if I remember correctly. It yeah, was something like that. something bonkers like that. I don't think the Bills are going to do that again, but the Colts can't beat themselves. They have to let uh, uh, the opposition rack up the penalties, which is usually what they do. I mean, Frank Wright, since joining the Colts, has made his squad one of the least penalized teams. But penalties and turnovers are something the Colts can't afford in this one. Uh, in the playoff game again, the Colts had two penalties for 10 yards. So sometimes it's not the number, but when you get them. You know, I go back I go back to the offsides on, on Kamoko Ture. Also on the keys of the game with, with the offense and Winston, Taylor and Hines, 
I, I really thought Michael Pittman came of age in that playoff game last year. I, he, I think he had he had his first hundred yard game. I can't remember who it was against Minnesota. I can't remember who he had it against last year. Might have been Tennessee. No, Tennessee. I don't know. It might have been. But I thought you know he he had t- ten targets, five catches, ninety yards, and I thought he really showed that I'm here and, I, and I'm the guy. I'm going to be the guy. And we mentioned uh, you, you mentioned Stefan Diggs's uh, stats. He and Michael Pittman are almost stat for stat. Mm-hmm. Almost stat for stat. Pittman's. 55, 729, and 5. And he has become Mr. Third Down. He 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 leads the league in, in third down catches. He's second in the league in, in third down yardage. And I was checking, I did something early in the week on on our websites. We, 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 the last four games, wins is eleven for thirteen for like two hundred and three yards with a one forty rating when throwing to Pittman on third down. So I think it's really been fun to watch this kid, and he still is a kid, really emerge and embrace being the guy, which is really important considering they've got virtually nothing from T.Y. this year because of injuries. And, and it, it, to me, again, if they're going to do something Sunday in Orchard Park, T.Y.'s got to do more than one catch for five yards, which is what he had last week. Let's get to our predictions for the week as the Colts visit the Bills this weekend. FanDuel has the Colts seven-point underdogs to Buffalo. Over-under set at 50-and-a-half, so they're predicting something like a 29-22 ball game is uh, what that number would come out to. Um, I'll go first. Joe, you're second. Chap, you wrap us up. Um, I mentioned already that the Colts have lost eight straight games against playoff teams a year ago, and I think that it would be foolish for me to suggest that that's going to change without seeing a change first, you know? I, I don't need to be the first one on the bandwagon to say, this is the week that it's going to change. But they haven't shown us too much in the other games that, that they can close out against a winning team. So uh, do I believe this team, this franchise, has the players in it that can do it? Absolutely. But I'm not going to pick them to do it. Uh, not against Buffalo, not on the road against Buffalo in particular. So I'm going to take the Bills... I'm going to take the Bills by a score of 26 to 21. So I'll at least let them cover. But it's going to be, at the end of the day, a uh, tough road to hoe in order to get a win on the road this weekend, Joe. I'm going to go against everything you just said. I'm going to take the Colts. This is everything you said, the opposite. (laughs) Wrong. Um, No, I get what you're saying. And I'm sure I'm being a little bit of a homer here, but. This Colts team's really been coming together the last few weeks. The pass rush has been improving. Um, you know, every once in a while, Carson doesn't show it, but he's really been gelling with this offense a lot more than the first several weeks. Um, they, the Colts look healthier. Uh, so I'm going to take the Colts to get their first big win of the season. I do think the Bills, I mean, they've shown that they're very beatable this year. Even a bad team can beat the Bills. So I'm going to go Colts 27 to 24. Chap, what you got? Yeah, I, I'm kind of with – I'm I'm more with you, Dave. I I think this is a very, very winnable game. I really do. And, and maybe by when I start – before I put my preview up on Sunday, on Saturday, I'll change my mind. But I've got, I've got Buffalo 27-23. And as much as we're going to find out about the Colts this weekend – I think the same can be said for Buffalo. 
when you really look at their schedule, I mean, yeah, they're number one in defense, but look who look who they've played. I would hope they've beaten the heck out of Miami and the Jets and Jacksonville offensively or defensively. I mean, and, and until I'm kind of like with you, until they prove they can do it, you know, I, I'm a little skeptical. I think there's a better chance of beating Tampa next week. And as far as I'm concerned, if this team's going to make the playoffs, they have got to win Sunday or next Sunday, one of, one or the other. Uh, to, to lose one would put a dent in it. To lose both will be the, the coffin. But I just don't think – I don't think they make enough plays against Buffalo. I think they can. I just don't know that they will. Why not both? Right, Joe? <laughs> this week and next week. Why not both? Why not both? That's what the Colts fans would say. No doubt about it. We appreciate you listening to this week's episode of the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Again, you can follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone for news and notes throughout the week. Mike Chappell is at mchappell51. Joe Hopkins is at Roto Street Joe. I am Dave Griffiths at Dave G underscore sports. We will see you next week on the Colts Blue Zone podcast.